Hey, it's me. There's never been a story like the Pia Zadora story. Her stage career began at age seven. She's been featured in major motion pictures, received many awards, and has won over the hearts of many people through her music. Pia Zadora is a performing and recording artist in several genres, and it is my great honor to welcome her here. Thanks so much for joining us. Paul, thanks for having me. Oh, it's my honor. So you're the second person that I know of to come on this show from originally Hoboken, New Jersey. Yes, I was born in Hoboken, and uh, but I only lived there for a year, so I really didn't get a sense of Hoboken. But I am from Hoboken, I, and then we moved to Brooklyn, we moved to Forest Hills Gardens, my house in Forest, my old house that I grew up in is on sale now in Forest Hills Gardens. Someone sent me the link to it, I'm like, oh, it was a middle May circle. And then we moved to the city because my dad was also, he was a concert violinist and Broadway violinist, and we were working all the time, so we moved to the city. But yes, Hoboken was where I was born. Your parents were great lovers of music. My father, yeah, he was a violinist, and my mother actually was a singer before I was born. And uh, they were very much into, my father was more classical, then he became Broadway-oriented. But yeah, they loved music. And so they were always very supportive of you, in terms of you pursuing show business. Well, my mother was the one who really pushed me into it, because I was shy. I was a shy little girl going to a parochial school in Forest Hills, and the nuns thought that I was socially uh, inept. So I went to American Academy of Dramatic Arts and Burgess Meredith was looking for a little girl to co-star in a Broadway play with Tallulah Bankhead and he was scouting. And he came and saw me and asked me to audition and cast me. And after that, I started working on a regular basis. I got good reviews and agents called me. and uh, But I was traveling a lot. My dad didn't like the fact that I was out of the house a lot. We were on the road for months at a time. And he wanted me to have a more normal life. And he wanted he wanted um, my mother and myself to be there. And we weren't there all the time. So there was a little bit of a conflict. And what part of the country do you live in now? Tell us about Las Vegas. Right now, I'm living in Las Vegas. And... I, you know, for me, it's the best of both. I married a cop on Metro, on Las Vegas Metro. Was living in L.A., came to Vegas because my ex-husband had a hotel here, came to Vegas for my son's birthday, and I had a stalker. And I, my my uh, attorney said, you need to go to the police and file a report. And I did, and it came across Michael Jeffrey's desk, who was the detective for all the strip cases of domestic violence and sexual assault and all that stuff. And he looked at the paperwork and said, Jesus Christ, some some idiot named their kid Pia Zadora. <laughs> <laughs> then he looked again and goes, oh, my God, this could be her. <laughs> <laughs> so he called me and uh, asked me a few questions about the case. And uh, we ended up meeting two years later. And we got engaged, and 
L.A. with me for a while. He went to the sheriff's department, transferred there. But he wanted to come back on Metro at a certain point. And so we moved here. And for me, it's it's great because I get to do what I love to do. There's really no nightclub scene in in L.A. or anything like that. So I'm back really where my roots are because I kind of started out here in my club career, my singing career. I have to confess, I received a lot of coaching to do this interview with a man named Johnny Pizza. And he was telling me about this place, Piero's, where there's a place there, Pia's Place, where you perform. Right, right. He described it as a throwback to the classic Las Vegas. Yeah, it's a place where you would expect Frank Sinatra to walk in. They shot Casino there. It, it's very, very old school. I kid about it, but it's very, very old school. And it's very vintage. Well, it is a throwback. I mean, it's a place where you can go and you listen to music and have a few drinks. And don't check your phone every three minutes, see what else is going on. And that's why people love it. It's a, it's a local hangout, a local spot, and tourists that come in. It's a very small, cool little place. It keeps me busy every single weekend, except for summers. And we do Friday and Saturday. And I'm always changing, doing new set lists, adding. And Sonny Charles is with me. He's my guest now. I don't know if you remember him from Checkmates Limited and Steve Miller Band. And he had that big hit song with Phil Spector, Black Pearl. And he's just all so much fun adore having him and we we just have a party every weekend that's what we do and i have joe lano who was with ella frank he was my guitarist we had vinnie falcone but unfortunately he passed away last year from a brain tumor now vinnie falcone was frank sinatra's musical director who did my first my pn phil album all those original albums so you know we we just keep the legend going and steve lawrence comes in and Jack Jones comes in, and, and current people and sports people come in, and Don King comes in, and the mayor comes in, and the DA comes in. It's just a very cool, high-level hangout. This is probably a difficult question, but when you're performing there at Pia's Place, is there a song that you would say is your song? The song that resonates the most? Yeah, it depends on what audience you I mean some audiences if, if they're if they're gay if there's a, a group of gay guys there and they're my favorite audiences and they love me I am what I am would be my signature song um, for others it would be maybe for once in my life maybe this time those songs a moment ago you mentioned this album Pia and Phil and I had a chance to listen to it it's really just a breathtaking album what was Thank it you. like to perform with an orchestra? It was at first it was overwhelming because it was just so magnificent and it's like, wait, I can't sing with these guys. It's just it's too they're too much. And um I just fell into it and it was just it brought me to a new level and it reestablished my career after all the movie, you know, controversy and all that crap and 
the bad movies that I did, the few bad movies, I mean, there are a couple of good ones. Naked Gun 33 and a third was fun. Hairspray was fun. And I still show those clips. I, I show clips in my show and people want to see and they remember, you know, that's part of the whole fun deal of it. But it was great. And I toured the country with symphonies and then Frank Gatsby to tour with them. And I toured with Frank and Don and did all the songs with Nelson Riddle and Don Costa did arrangements for me because of Frank. It just was a very, very positive experience for me in my musical career. Because remember, you know, I used to do rock. I was nominated in 85 for Grammy for Best Female Rock Singer. Unfortunately, I lost to Tina Turner, but that's her problem. <laughs> I, have, I still have my Golden Globe. As much as they tried to take it away from me, it's still on my desk. It's so funny because, you know, a couple of weeks ago were the Golden Globes and Oprah makes a speech and they want her to be president. And when I got mine 35 years ago, I made a speech and they tried to take back my trophy. Hmm. It's a joke. You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's weird how things just come around and, and change and all that stuff. I wanted to talk about this album that you have coming out in February. Tell us a little bit about this. It's with the Gelano Trio. It's like a smooth jazz, cool, edgy, contemporary version of songs like All of Me, Witchcraft. It would be something that you could pick up Piatini, which is my signature drink at Pia's Place. And you have a little cocktail party, listen to the music in the background, and just be able to chill. You know, it's a, it's very chill as opposed to PNFO, which is like, okay, we're going to grab them by the you-know-what. But <laughs> this is a very chill kind of cool, edgy, smooth jazz album. Joe did a lot of the arrangements, and, and it's very simple and sweet. And not sweet. Well, maybe sweet sometimes, but it's very cool. So what goes into a piatini? Two olives, onion in the middle. No splash of water, because splash of water is how I got arrested. <laughs> I need a drummer when I talk to you. He's got to go. Bum, bum. <laughs> it's, a, it's, just a, it's just like a dry martini. It's kind of a, my signature drink there. And, um, you know, it's the all-purpose drink. The all-purpose drink in the sense that in flu season, it kills germs. And around the house, it makes doing the housework a lot more fun. <laughs> it's it's just a martini, really. Dry, extra dry martini. That's it. I'm hoping you can tell the listeners your memories of the Rickles, Rickless, and Reckless tour. You, you just renamed it? <laughs> well, that's what I was told it was called. <laughs> really? Huh. Barbara Sinatra must have called it that. <laughs> what are your memories of that tour oh it was it was we went from venue to venue my memories were backstage trays of jack daniels don sweating with his towel going oh my god oh my god are they gonna like me are they gonna like me and frank always in his little bubble every night he'd come out and before i'd go on he'd take me by the hands and give me a three-word pep talk he'd say don't screw up. <laughs> so he was very paternal. <laughs> and it actually taught me not to screw up. 
And um, and then, you know, we would go do your show. I actually replaced Liza at that tour because she wasn't well and she had to back out. And Frank said, you know, could you come in and replace her? So I was the girl of the tour. And at the very end, you know, we'd come on stage in these huge venues, thousands of people, take our bows, and then basically walk off the stage, get into the limo, get into the private plane with a police escort, and go to the next city, go to sleep, get up, go for the sound check, and, you know, do the same thing. But we'd go to great restaurants, we'd have fun, and and it was a great learning experience. I would sit and listen to Frank in my dressing room every night before and after I would go on and listen to him on the PA and just hear the things that he would do with his music and his songs and his banter. And it, it just kind of rubbed off on me. And that's kind of what I'm doing now or trying to do. I mean, you know. What would you say it is that you learned from Frank Sinatra? Uh, to eat pasta, a lot of pasta. <laughs> I learned, you know, it, he, he was all about work ethic. That was what was so brilliant about him. He, at dinner, he was cool and everything, still not very much of a people person, but he was, he was very, very, very centered before he'd go on stage. And he wanted everything perfect. He wanted the perfect experience for his audience. And also the interpretation of the songs, which he would tell me. Now, at that time, I was, I was the baby of the Rat Pack. I didn't, you know, I didn't really understand the music as I should have because I didn't have the maturity. The man that got away, I mean, I sang that at Radio City Musical, Night of Hundred Stars, that still sort of is one of them. But I didn't get it because, you know, I was, what, 30-something years old and, and this little bubblehead and hadn't had really much life experience. But now, you know, I'm, I'm understanding the songs a lot better and able to interpret them a lot better because I've had the experience. And that's about it for that. What misconceptions do you think people have about Las Vegas? I think most people think that it's just all about the strip and tourism. And now, the, and now all these teams coming here, the Golden Knights and the Raiders, and everyone is moving here, and it's becoming a really interesting, very well-developed community. And and there's so many beautiful places off the Strip where you can live and have a normal life, and it really has nothing to do with the Strip. But if you want to go to the Strip, you want to go to a great restaurant or you want to go see a great show, you know, it's 25 minutes. So that's the beauty of it in the mountains and the weather. I think the other misconception is that it's always hot and it's not. It actually snows here. It actually gets cold in the winter. The first year we were here, I, I opened the door to let the dogs out in the morning and I'm like, holy crap, am I in Aspen or Las Vegas? <laughs> there was snow all over the place. I pull out all my, you know, warm winter thermal stuff because it gets cold. In the summer, it's hot as hell. But it's it, it, at least you have the seasons here. And that's a misconception. Most people just think it's always hot. It's not. L.A. is always one. It's it's always just, you know, 70s, 80s. But here you actually have seasons. And what about you? What do you think the misconception about Piazzadora is? Oh, I could care less. <laughs> you know, what people think. You know, that's, I am who I am. There are always misconceptions about people that are, you know, in up there in front of the public and have very 
diverse, crazy, strange careers like I've had and controversial careers and been married to wealthy men and all that crap. But, hey, I am what I am. Well, wait, that, that's now my secret. <laughs> I'm, I'm a person just like everybody else, and I do things just like everybody else, and I have anxiety and stress, and and I don't have the world at my fingertips. But maybe that's the misconception that people think that I just, you know, have the world on a string, <laughs> sitting on a rainbow. Wait, I haven't vocalized. I can see it. But yeah, I don't know that I was created by this person that I married, which was completely untrue because I didn't marry when I was seven and I started my career when I was seven. So I, I had a very skewed life, but a very interesting life. I mean, I posed for Penthouse in Las Vegas Metro. <laughs> a, That's a good a, one. <laughs> a centerfold and a mugshot. I will pause for a moment while guys get out their phones and look up the pictures, but not the mugshot. <laughs> 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 you know, you have to have a sense of, you have to have a sense of, it's only life. It's only freaking life. Sorry, hmm. can you say freak on your show? You can say freak. <laughs> Frick, frick. You can. You are. Okay, good. I was hoping, well, first of all, that was a great answer. And second of all, I thought, wouldn't it be something if she sang in the interview? And you did. (laughs) (laughs) There. Great. I passed. I passed the test. I passed the Paul test. (laughs) In addition to your career as a singer and actor, you had the chance to be on a lot of television shows, like Johnny Carson. I watched the interview that you did with David Letterman, which was also mentioned in the recent biography about David Letterman. Seriously, he mentioned it in the biography? It is mentioned, yes. The the Piazzadora interview is mentioned in, um, I think the book is called The King of Late Night. And I'm hoping you can tell wow. us about some of your memorable talk show appearances. Okay, well, you know, the, after I won the Golden Globe and there was all that controversy, it, people were joking about me and Johnny Carson. There was a Polish woman, and by the way, I'm half Polish and half Italian, so I fall into that category. In fact, Frank used to kid me all the time. He would say that I'm Italian from the neck down, Polish from the neck up, <laughs> and then he would make me an offer that I couldn't refuse or understand. <laughs> That became like a going thing between us. But do you remember Rula Lenska? There was a woman that did a commercial and she had a very thick accent. And so he made fun of her a lot. So then when I won the Golden Glove and Pia Zadora, strange name, all that kind of stuff. And where'd she come from? And the rich husband, I became his answer to Rula Lenska. So he would kid about me all the time. Oh, well, Pia Zadora, you know, that kind of stuff. And so then finally, when I started singing, doing the standards, he asked me on the show and he apologized to me since, you know, people were, but I opened at the uh, Beverly Theater and Leonard Feather, who was like the most respected music critic in Los Angeles, came to see me. And of course, I was shaking in my boots and Cary Grant and Diane Cannon, a whole bunch of celebs were there. And and Leonard Feather just gave him the most glowing review of my lifetime. He said, you know, screw everybody. She can sing her intonation, her this, her that. And I got like five standing ovations. And so that review was basically what Johnny read on the air. 
like, wow, how do you feel? How do you feel? And I'm like, okay, well, so that was a great, you know, vindication for me. And I hung in there. I worked to turn everything around. I I had to sing. My movies were, you know, crap. I had to sing. I had to show them that I could actually do something. And something, I think it was way more impressive because of the fact that I was being the doll. But it, it is a great album. P and Phil is a great album because of the Philharmonic and because of, you know, all the great people that wrote and did all this stuff. But then I did Mike Douglas and Merv Griffin and, you know, all this shit. And Hollywood Square is one of my favorite. My favorite. And uh, with Rich Little, who appears with me now here, and um, he's actually at the Tropicana. And we, I kind of go over there, and he comes over to me on his night off, and we do stick together because we've known each other forever, ever, ever. And uh, did shows in Ohio, like Promises, Promises. Before I even met my husband, I was working doing shows when I was a teenager with Rich Little. And when he was just, you know, up and coming. The talk shows, the this, but my favorite, my favorite show was, remember Candid Camera? Oh, yeah. Alan Funch. Yeah. <laughs> we did a thing where they dressed me up so you couldn't really recognize me. And there was this little strip mall outside of, in, in LA, outside of Hollywood. And they would put notes on these people's cars saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I messed up your car, but don't worry. It's nobody's fault because we have no fault insurance. So these people would come out and they'd be so upset looking at their cars and looking around. And, and then I would come out and say, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, like a bimbo. Oh, really? It's no fault. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> and they would get all crazy. <laughs> Searching their car for, you know, a little thing. And finally, Alan would come. He says, this is Candid Camera. It's Piazzadora. And Alan, but, <laughs> and so <laughs> that was the most fun because I love sight gags. And also Naked Gun 33 and a third was the most fun because Leslie Neal said, OJ, of course. He and I are both here in Vegas. The only problem is I, the only good thing is I can travel. You know, we did Naked Gun together. We ended up in Vegas. But for TV shows, you know, it, it was like Letterman. He would always prod and probe on the Piazzadora thing. So when I got up, I don't know what he wrote in his book, because this is the first I know that I was in the book. But when I got up there, I threw away his cue cards. <laughs> he was looking at his <laughs> cue cards, and I'm like, give me this, David. And I threw it up on the floor. I still have a copy of the interview. And he was a little perturbed, to say the least. <laughs> but hey, I wasn't happy with him either, and I was Piazzadora, so what? You know? But... All those were fun. I mean, those were fun days and everybody, you know, we just did what we did and we got through what we got through and here we are. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, that we're okay. I have three great kids. My youngest lives with me now. He just started at UNLV. He's a freshman and he has some special needs, some learning issues. He's on the spectrum, but you know, that's why I took 15 years off to really deal with his stuff and he's just come out of it like a gem and he's doing great and I'm still there every day for him taking him to his school doing all that and doing my thing at night and my husband now you know he's retired he's a retired cop he's a great guy and helps with everything he does some work on the side and plays golf and we have a beautiful house overlooking I don't know if you saw the article there's an article in the RJ it was a front page article about me in December, and it says, Piazzadora loves 
everything for Christmas. And it has my picture and the Christmas tree and Jordan, my son, the the one I told you about who this year in a He um he's dressed up in his Santa suit. He comes up on stage and he does Santa and he does he used to do Donald Trump until <laughs> the Trump thing got a little ugly. And so she doesn't do Donald Trump anymore. And, you know, we just have fun. We have a party just enjoying our lives. And there's a huge acceptance. People just have fun enjoying everything that we do, bringing back all the old stuff and singing all the old stuff and showing all the old clips and drinking my piatinis. What more? What more could I want at this point in my life? So what about your husband and you? What makes you two a great match? Well, what makes us a great match is that, oh, my God, he's a Nebraska Cornhusker. He's this big, he looks like Alec Baldwin, and he talks really slow. He's very methodical, and I'm, like, all over the place. I have ADD and all that kind of stuff. So he kind of, he, he has my back. He slows me down. But the thing that I love most about him is that he's real, and he really cares. Because in my situation, that's, a tough thing to find. And we've had our ups and downs. We've got, he adopted, like my son that I told you about, his dad got killed in a car accident three years ago, four years ago. And he was devastated. And Michael adopted, he asked Michael to adopt him. Michael is my husband's name. And he just, he's the father that my kids never had. He's, you know, he's just, an amazing, sweet, honest, pure, a little fucked up. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> it's it's okay. Radio, so go back and finish your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> he just walked in. He heard me say that. But he's just a really good guy. He's solid. What can I tell you? He's solid. He's not perfect. I got to whip him into shape and keeps on his toes because I'm really bossy and all that stuff. But we adore him. and We all are on the same page and we, we love each other. And isn't that what counts? Oh, yeah. And what's the best thing about being a mother? You know what? I can't even tell you the joy that this this kid, my third kid with special needs, has given me. Because, first of all, I think it's timing that I was, you know, okay, I stopped. I stopped everything to be there with him. And he's just special in his thinking and his emotional attachments. And I think he realizes what I've put into him. And, you know, he was, I was just honored here at the uh, Grant Gift Autism Foundation. I was the ambassador of autism here. And he came on stage with me and made a big speech and I sang. And it was a big deal. And he understood that it was all about him and my passion for him and for everything him and for his success. And for the focus program that he's in at UNLV, which is a special program that I did a fundraiser for last year with all my friends, with Marty Allen and Carrot Top and Rich Little and all those people. We all got together for this this special, special program for special kids. And he's become a local celebrity as a result. And he just, every day, I mean, if when I drive him, drop him off, sometimes he takes me but when I drop him in the car as he's in the car sitting next to me every day I get I love you mom I love you mom and and I mean that just it kills me but it it makes my life 
But the thing about kids is, you know, when you're young, oh, we have kids, we have kids, we you bring them into life and have to face situations that are not always great, health-wise, emotional-wise, and all that. I'm not sure that, you know, it's all that great. I think people should think twice. You know, they have to be ready and ready to support and ready to handle. I mean, I wouldn't take it back in a sec, you know, for, for, for a minute, but it's a big, it's hard. Life is hard. That's the truth. And my daughter, I mean, she sings and all that. And, but, you know, I mean, I guess she thought that it would just be an easy, she would, because when she was little, she was four years old singing Little Mermaid, had perfect pitch. She opened Disneyland. She would sing with me at, in front of all the symphonies. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? And she was the cutest thing ever. And now that she's trying to make it on her own, she's, you know, working hard and doing a good job. But hey, you know, I guess she thought she would just fall into my shoes. And it just freaking doesn't happen that way. Yeah. Very true. Amongst the performers that you would think of as Las Vegas entertainers, you talking about a few of them made me wonder, out there for you all, is it kind of like a fraternity? It is. It's a very, very small community. And we all, you know, we see each other on a regular basis at least once a week or every two weeks at events and all this stuff, because it's a very small community and we're all very supportive. And that's what's so great about it. I'm back on the boards and I'm doing, and I'm in there in the mix and, and I can have my life and, and a beautiful house and the beautiful mountains and all that stuff. And it's all good. It is a very small community. There's a photo on your website and I want to point everybody to piazadora.com, and there's a photo of you with Wayne Newton. What is Wayne yeah, like? Wayne. Wayne, you know what? It's it's so funny. I just got he won an award last year, the Silver State Pioneer Entertainment Pioneer Award, and I won it this year. And I said, he said I'm getting your award this year because I see him at Pia's place all the time, at Pierre's all the time, and at at his place. And it's just he's. <laughs> I said, well, we have a lot in common because both of us started as child stars. We both wear Bob Mackie and none of us have ever had any work done. <laughs> so, I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> we have fun. We just have a, he just lost a lot of weight. He looks fabulous. He was sick, but he lost a lot of weight and now he's healthy and skinny and he's performing and, and we go to each other's shows and it's, it's like, a, like you said, it's like a fraternity. I used to open for him. Oh, yeah. And there were so many other people that I used to open for, for Bobby Vinton and for, well, for, for Joan Rivers at Caesars, for George Burns, for Charles Osnivore, and, you know, all those people. But wow. a lot of them are not working anymore. But I, you know, Wayne and all those guys are still here. Unfortunately, he's gone, you know, up above us to look down on us and make more fun of us. But, um, you know, and Frank, too. But Tony's still there. He's still hanging in. and It's life. You know, we come and go. Very transient. When you said the name of the person who'd gone up above, it cut out right then. What was the name? Don Rickles. Oh, Don, Don Rickles. Okay. Yeah. 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 And Joan, too. 
I mean, I opened for her at Caesar's Palace the night that Edgar committed suicide, and my father was dying in Boston in hospital, and we both were like, you know, falling apart, holding each other, and it was. She was very emotional. You know, all those guys like Don Rickles, who everybody thinks they're such hard asses, pardon my French, they they weren't. They were exactly the opposite. And that's why they put on that front, you know, to cover up their their vulnerability. See me, I don't try to do that. I say, frick it. <laughs> <laughs> well, who is the kindest person you've encountered in the world of entertainment show business? Wow, that's a tough question because you don't, the people that you encounter, you don't really get to spend enough time with to, but I, you know, I I have to say, even though Frank was kind of into his own little thing and would be in his bubble of vision of his shows and all that, he cared a lot about his fans. And there was one woman that Vinny told this story. Vinny and I used to appear a lot on shows talking about him. And then he told a story where this woman didn't have enough money, was a big fan. She was disabled. She couldn't walk, needed a wheelchair. So, you know, he sent someone to her house with a wheelchair, had her brought backstage, gave her a front row ticket. And, you know, that that's, that's important because that probably made that woman's life. So I would say he was pretty kind. I don't know if he was the kindest because you don't get to know people on that level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he was pretty kind. Well, on that note, when it comes to your fans, let's say that you've done a show or you've, you're taking a little break. What's the nicest thing that somebody said to you when they said, Pia, Pia, can I talk to you for just a minute? Well, you know what? The people that come to Pia's place are, first of all, they, they are very, I don't know, they're very, they're fans. If they come there, they're fans. They're not coming there to heckle me. So they just love the way I've been a survivor and hung in there and just done what I've done, been strong, the strength. You know, I guess that that uh, is impressive because, hey, we all need strength in life, right? Oh, yeah. Because we all go through a lot of crap. And if we don't have the strength, we drop by the wayside. I think a lot of that is that, oh, and how you've kept, you know, you look great. You really look great and all that and all that stuff. And so that's a good thing, too. And that, that I sound better than I've sounded. And you'll hear when I when when you hear the new CD. that It's just a very cool, laid-back, kind of more evolved vibe. What about when a fan gets too forward? What do you do? Security. Security. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, the oh, PS Plays is kind of like a bar. And sometimes people will just have one too many. One team eat too many because they don't realize that. I mean, you could eat there also. It's a club. But, you know, you have one too many and fall off the chair and get the stretcher and carry you out. <laughs> but... You know, it, it, it's life. It's just life. It's fine. We deal with it. We love them. They come back. It's all good. Because we all have our moments. I've had my moments. Very true. I remember I was telling somebody the story of when Frank and uh, Frank and Don and I. Oh, no. Actually, Frank and I were doing the New Year's show at the Riviera. 
and we were doing one show downstairs and then the second show up on the top floor after the post New Year's show on the on the roof. And we got stuck in the elevator. <laughs> and there was Jilly, right? He's smoking. So we were stuck in the elevator. Jilly was puffing away at his cigarette, sweating bullets, saying, what if we get stuck here? What if we don't get out? What if we starve? And I'm like, 30 seconds, he's already thinking cannibalism. <laughs> and, you know, Frank was very composed. It was all good. And we went out. And we just walked out like nothing happened. We did our New Year's show. <laughs> this was one of the questions that, that Johnny Pizza had presented to me. He said, he said, ask her how they did the New Year's show. <laughs> oh, wow. That's funny. <laughs> I think he was, was he there? He was. Wow. How is Johnny? Oh, he's doing well. He's, he's running the uh, Hoboken Cafe in Marietta, Georgia. The best mozzarella oh. cheese you can get. <laughs> oh, sounds good to me. I love mozzarella. What are your memories of Tino Barzi, your former manager? Tino was just a hoot. <laughs> well, I guess he was a hoot. He had a great sense of humor. He was a former ball player. He was a relief pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he was very connected, and then he was with he was with Tommy Dorsey. He was a band boy, and then he ended up managing Frank Jr. and everything. But he was just a very sweet, fun guy. Loved, loved him. You know, it's always good to be, have an upbeat sense of humor and have fun and all that stuff. And he always kind of, you know, made lemonade out of lemons, which was fun. What is the best advice you would give to someone who is facing difficulty of any kind? Well, interesting you say that because that a lot of friends facing difficulties and we all say the same thing. You just got to forge ahead and deal with it, not let it get you down and just got to do it. Get through it. Get through it. Be positive. Get through it. And whatever happens will happen. Give up the control. <laughs> what is the best thing about being Pia Zadora? <laughs> no. Yeah, you're getting ugly. <laughs> the best thing about being, being Pia Zadora, I don't know. Who is Pia Zadora? Every once in a while I forget and people go, Oh, I was doing a show the other night. <laughs> Frankie Shinta. I don't know if you know the Shintas. The Shintas have, have shows here for years and they're like, you know, the classic Vegas entertainers. He's adorable, funny, and they travel around the country to doing the shows. They're from Buffalo. So Frankie is this Italian, like real Sinatra-ish kind of guy, but younger. And he came to my show and I'm like, Frankie, I, I have laryngitis. Could you please, please, you know, help me here? Because I had had a bad cold and lost my voice. He goes, hell, don't worry about it. What do you care? You're Piazzadora. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I wish I did. I wish we all knew more about ourselves and who we are. But I guess eventually it gets there either way. So how would you define Pia Zadora? Just, I don't know. I have this. Okay, so there, there's some aspect of my personality that blocks things out. I'm kind of like a horse with blinders where 
I'm not going to let certain stuff affect me or it just doesn't affect me. And uh, I've been able to deal with a lot more than I ever imagined that I could because it's just who I am. You just get through it. I want to call everyone's attention again to the website. It's piazadora.com. Everyone be looking out for this forthcoming album of yours. And in closing, I just want to give you the stage. I want to give you the microphone. For anyone who's listening in, you can say whatever you want. What would you say to the audience? Oh, come on. I say whatever I want 24-7. <laughs> this is not special for me. But I just, I'm just saying I love New York, love, you know, New Jersey. Love the air that we breathe, love the outside. Las Vegas loves singing. And we all need to just be who we are and enjoy what we have. Sounds a little religious, but what the hell. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> well, I hope I'm lucky enough someday soon to see this show of yours at Pia's place. Yeah, me too. You got to come out, hang out with us. Thank you very much for, for spending time with us. All right. Thank you, Paul. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the great Pia Zadora, thank you so much. All right. You take care. All right. Till next time. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment. For information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thank you for being with us. Until next time.